Hi there, welcome to the program for Thursday. It's Cross-Cultural Talk with Ernie Tannis, Gary Michaels, and we have a couple of special guests that Ernie will uh, uh, introduce to us, but I uh, am delighted to uh, welcome you back to the studio, and again, congratulations on uh, uh, last Thursday evening's event at uh, City Hall. It was... uh, uh, I think it was more than we expected as far as the response was concerned. It was a huge crowd there. It was there. hundreds of people. It's, I don't yeah. think the Chambers has ever seen it. And thanks to everyone who helped pull it together and Chin and everyone behind it. Thank you again. Um, by the way, before we go anywhere, got to say, Opa, first day of the Greek festival is today. Wow. At the Hellenic Center on Prince of Wales. It's a wonderful event. Runs through till August 20th. So, And they dance like the Depki. They do. They're, uh, well, I guess Greeks and Lebs are cousins, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Salad. Fatouche and Greek salad. That's it. Who do we have in the studio, this lovely lady? We are very fortunate. We have uh, by phone from Sioux Lookout Live is Don DeGenova. You there, Don? Hi. Oh, there he is. Hi, Don. Hi. Welcome to Chin. I'm glad to be part of the program. Thank you. And um, we have in the studio for a second time uh, Esther Van Gennep. Hi, Esther. Thanks for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. And thank you for your help last week as well, by the way. You're very welcome. It was a great learning experience, an incredible gathering that you pulled together at a very short notice. Well, there's going to be some follow-up, I think. Eh, Gary, you've been getting calls. My wife, Yumna, has been getting calls. I'm sure Jerry and other people. And there's going to be some follow-up on some initiative on a on a national kind of website, and uh, we'll be announcing that through Chin Radio uh, very, very soon. So yeah. we're going to tell people that we're working on that. You know, Gary, as you know, right from the first show, February, whatever it was, this is our 80th show. I know. Geez, Ed even shook my hand. Who? Ed, the manager, shook Finally. my hand. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> we got Navaldo back here. Did Nivaldo's... you check to see if you still have your ring and your wristwatch? You're okay. Okay, that's good. <laughs> it was my keys. I'm only the first kidding. show was um, February 3rd on Trust. And that was back in 2004? 2005, February 3rd. Yeah, holy smokes. Yeah, yeah, you had an idea of coming in regularly. Yeah. I didn't know it would be 80. We go on, and every week we have phenomenal guests, and uh, and today's no exception. But I just wanted to mention, before I introduce our guests uh, briefly, I just wanted to, you know, one of the themes of the show is the universal truth. And what Don and um, Esther are doing in Sioux Lookout is really magnificent work. These are two of the practitioners in the field that are thinkers. They're actually... Also philosophers, but they're on the ground making a difference. But I just want to put it in context of it's the same with happening individually, institutionally, internationally. Um, you know, my wife Yumna and I, uh, we met, Yumna met uh, Adams, Jolien Adams from Akwasasti when they set up the mediation center there. And we've That's been right. good friends there. But I'm going to read a quote from uh, something. And I want to see if anybody think, uh, can guess where this quote comes from. Quote, there's a lot of people willing to die out here, I can tell you that. Now, I'm going to guess that some people would put that in context of events in the world, maybe in the Middle East, other places in the world. This quote, there's a lot of people willing to die out there, I can tell you that, is a quote from yesterday's Globe and Mail by Doreen Silversmith, a Cayuga Native member, camouflage and army pants, and feathers saying we're not leaving without a fight. This is the headline on Caledonia tensions heat up. So... The fact is that it's all the same, and the native issues have their own legacy, as you say. And speaking to us today about that is Don DeGenova, uh, currently the Resolve, capital R, capital E, project manager, initiative that reports to the Sioux Lookout Anti-Racism Committee. And Don has a long list of uh, work he's done with native groups. He's a team builder, facilitator, manager, skills trainer, strategic planner. 
and um, he's got a lot of uh, marketing and business development background, and he was with the Statistics Canada for 20 years as Assistant Director of Marketing. Sue Lookout is a municipality in northwestern Ontario that is home to approximately 5,000 citizens, about four hours north of Slender Bay, five-hour drive east of Winnipeg, and if you want to drive from Ottawa, Gary, it's two days. And um, two days nonstop. Non-stop. Two and days it, nonstop. <laughs> and Esther Van Gennep, again, I've, Esther and I have trained before, and I was with you and Don in your class the other day, and then we did a show that you, your class listened to. It was a great class. Um, Esther, as you said, helped last week. She's a trainer and practitioner of community-based conflict resolution, embracing the concept of volunteerism, mentorship. She's done a lot of work with lots of Native groups and non-Native groups, um, and she's been all over the place, uh, and she's really committed, as Don is, to this field. And I want to start off by asking both of you to um, talk about how you both got into the field, how you got working with the Sioux Lookout, and just to start it off, I'm going to quote something, Don, from a report um, that was done on the Sioux Lookout project, which is Together We're Better, and the quote is, to strive for a safe and secure community where they can live, converse, work, and travel without fear of discrimination, racism, bigotry, or prejudice in a community that embraces their diversity by celebrating their differences, respecting their traditions, and nurtures their commitment to each other. Can that apply anywhere in the world? So, Don, maybe I could start with you, and then, Esther, I'll give you some good time here, quality time, to talk about your work in the field, how you got into Sioux Lookout, and the big picture of what you're trying to accomplish there. Don, can you start? Sure, uh, Ernie. Uh, every time I hear that phrase that you just read, it just sends my blood a-tingling because it's really something that we really are striving to do here in Sioux Lookout. And I really think we're beginning to make some inroads. Uh, but my interest in all of this all stemmed back from my earlier days when I was at StatsCan. And uh, as a manager, um, we had, you know, difficulties uh, in communication and there was some conflict between employees. So I heard of CICR and I... I took the pro. Uh, I started the program, and uh, I was just looking at it more so to equip me with skills to deal with conflict, not realizing that it was going to become a life-changing event for me. Um, I, to this day, I'll never forget that first week and the students and the facilitator, and uh, we had a um, an Inuit elder present with us, and it was one of the most moving experiences of my life, uh, even from a spiritual perspective. And at that point, I started on this road to wanting to, to become more heavily involved with conflict. Um, what ended up happening is I ended up taking a position in Toronto and had to leave the program for some time. And, uh, but it never left me, and it stayed with me all the time. And my partner is up here in Sioux Lookout as a physician in uh, the uh, Zone Hospital working with Aboriginal people. And so I decided we're spending too much time uh, away from one another, so I came up here, and um, I was looking for something to do, and I thought, well, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to finish my uh, CICR training, and at the same time, the Sulokal Anti-Racism Committee was advertising a, a position to work with the organization on building a conflict resolution model for the town. So hence, it all happened. I applied for the position. I was grateful uh, that I was successful. I reunited with uh, CICR and finished my training. And while there, I mentioned to Brian Strom about this great and exciting project happening in Sioux Lookout. And he said, Don, uh, I want to hear more about it, and brought Esther in. We sat down and talked about it, and then they both agreed, we want to help you make it happen. And that's how CICR became involved in this uh, amazing project. 
Well, talking about serendipity, what a great story, Gary! Don't you notice hey, all the uh, all the guests here? There's just not just a a job or position; it's a real personal commitment to make a difference in life. It's a wonderful group. It's all about uh, it's all about caring, really, isn't it? And uh, caring caring about uh, your fellow man and. Uh, and that's it. It's pretty basic, eh? you know. Yeah. And, and, and there's another quote here, Don, and I'm just going to turn it over to Esther. Um, in this called "Moving Forward," uh, the attempt to equip the uh, citizens with the skills, tools, and training necessary to create a society where respect, compassion, and tolerance become the pillars on which we build our community-based conflict resolution model. Once again, uh, certainly a universal truth. And Esther, could you uh, follow up with the same theme about your commitment, build on what Don's been saying in the, in the project? Okay, and also just to go back to uh, CICR, CICR stands for the Canadian Institute for Conflict Resolution. Uh, they are involved with community-based conflict resolution programs and initiatives, primarily what we call a third-party neutral program, which is a, a training program that's being offered to help resolve conflicts um, at a personal level within the organizations, various government departments, the workplace. It really focuses on the extended version of what community stands for. Um, so, yeah, CICR has been uh, involved with the Sioux Lookout initiative uh, since last year, and we were really grateful when Don invited us to work on this strategy because CICR is really focusing on bridging the gap and uh, building a community and collaborative spirit within communities where there are some uh, extreme tensions taking place. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of the, the legacy-based challenges that we experience in Sioux Lookout. And um, Esther, what um, and Don, you can uh, kick in on that. I just want to mention Brian Strom is the executive director. He's been on the show, and CICR, in fact, sponsored a series here. It was very good. Yeah, and uh, CICR is based at St. Paul's, right? That's if right. I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. St. Yes. Paul's yes. University. Boy, yeah. he's, be, he's getting so knowledgeable in ADR, Gary. You're going to have to get involved <laughs> with the field now. Well, I must tell you that uh, since uh, uh, you and I have been doing this program together for 80 weeks, wow. uh, things at home have become much more peaceful. Oh, wonderful. There is a resolution for everything. <laughs> yes, using... Brenda tells me to do the laundry, I do the laundry. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. <laughs> <laughs> using those universal truths in the home environment. <laughs> exactly. As you're sharing that story, it reminds me of um, one of the elders that Don and I have the privilege to work with, uh, Ralph Johnson up in Sioux Lookout, and uh, he talks about giving up the right to be right. If my <laughs> wife wants to do the laundry, I'll do the laundry. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's wonderful. You know, and uh, with our Arab background and we have uh, these 18th camel stories and find <laughs> solutions and I do the same thing at home I just uh, <laughs> I always have the last word right I mean yes yes dear yeah. right, what would you like me to do there we go now Don um, and, and Esther could you mention uh, b before we go to our first break um, uh, what is the uh, term of this project uh, how does it get funded uh, what's the future look like uh, in terms of uh, the continuation because I know in many many projects you get something wonderful going and then um, it, it, it doesn't have the resources to continue. So, Don, can you and then Esther, you know, add what is the uh, that kind of context if you could, listeners can understand how this works? Okay. Well, um, Ernie, we received funding uh, from Canadian Heritage. They're the big sponsor of this project uh, in October of 2004, and we actually got up and running in January of 2005. And the funding terminates, unfortunately, uh, March 2007. Um, it has been a big struggle for us to be able to identify uh, sustainable funding to keep this initiative going because, as you said, uh, 
when these wonderful activities begin to take place and you begin to build the momentum up in the community, and if you don't have the funding to keep it going, then it dies. And then what happens is a, a certain degree of complacency builds in with people that the next time another great idea is launched, people aren't committed to it because they have that here-we-go-again feeling. And so it's very, very important for us to be able to find alternative funding to keep this initiative going, and it has not been an easy task. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can get into that a little bit more um, uh, later, but I just wanted to turn it over to uh, Esther because I think you're going to be going to your break soon. <laughs> Thank you, Don. Yes, I think what, one of the things that we've seen in Sioux Lookout is an incredible commitment coming from the community members. There's been a great uh, momentum and synergy of ideas that have started to spun out of the project that Don uh, has uh, initiated over there. As he mentions, it is a real challenge when it comes to the funding, and Ernie, this is an ongoing uh, challenge that you've experienced in the field when it comes to alternative dispute resolution and finding resources for preventative mechanisms. Yes, and uh, you know we've worked on a shoestring budget, and we have to borrow the shoestring, and uh, you know, but you know the. Um, the, the <laughs> uh, I'm going to use that one. That's a good one. <laughs> the, well, the, the, I mean, the the wealth of the work is paying off, and as Gary knows, I mean, one of the things we have to do, I think, as a society, is start allocating budgets proportionately we have to have a measured response to conflict that's not disproportionate the money that's spent on court strikes wars um, is needed but we need to start uh, reallocating some resources and do some preventative thinking which um, which you which you're hoping to do with this project because it'll then prevent problems in the future we're gonna save money in the future we're gonna have a better society and mm-hmm. save money and mm-hmm. it's it always astonishes me how we don't allocate these resources and I think with shows like this and all the practitioners more, there needs to be more discussion and influence on political leaders, I think. Notice you used the term uh, measured response. Did that just come to you today? or I've heard it. I heard that. That phrase can be used in different ways. And some, people, some people don't think, some people think the phrase itself is not a measured response. But. <laughs> Ernie, we're going to take a break. As you mentioned, it's 1219. You're listening to Chin uh, Radio in Ottawa, 97.9, and we are available on the World Wide Web at uh, www.chinradio.com. And people do listen to us uh, all over the world. I must uh, emphasize that. We have uh, many, many of our listeners in Italy who listen uh, to the Italian program in the morning. As a matter of fact, our show hosts in the morning quite often uh, have their family members back in Italy call them while Wonderful. they're on the air really? to request a song. And likewise, uh, with our Arabic program in the afternoon with Paula, Lillian, and Jerry, uh, we get many listeners in the Middle East uh, tuned into this program, and uh, and they they like to to find out what the reaction is back here in Ottawa wow. as to what's going on over there. And uh, in happier times, they would uh, email or even call and request a song on the Arabic program. So it's what <clears throat> it's absolutely wonderful, and it truly, truly is a a very small world indeed. Indeed, mm. we'll take a break, and we'll be back with Ernie, Esther, and Don on Chin ninety seven point nine. Where would you like to go today? Africa, China, Cuba, Spain, Lebanon, Italy. We will take you there. Chin Radio in Ottawa, 97.9. 
Pay a little and scream a lot with a Super X Advance Pass. A super deal that'll make you flip. Save up to $17.50 when you purchase an Advance Pass at participating Burger King restaurants and quickie convenience stores. It's an all-you-can-flip, dip, whirl, and ride deal for just $28.50. Offer ends August 17th at noon, so buy it now. August 17th to the 27th at Lansdowne Park. Super X, it's you. Did you know that if you drive when you're really tired, your brain is impaired, just as if you had too much to drink? The warning signs are yawning, fidgeting. You can't remember the last few kilometers, or your thoughts are disconnected. You're tailgating, drifting over the center line, or onto the shoulder. Remember, if you're driving tired, you are impaired. A message from this station and fatigueimpairment.ca. It's enough to make you dizzy even without the rides. Super X gives you big fun for small change. Live pizza pizza stage with classic rock bands and wall-to-wall concerts. Giant tiger stage. Over 60 shows every day. And it's all free with admission. Thrill shows. Super pet pet fest exhibits. Licensed cafes. Even a talking horse. It's more entertainment that fits in a day. August 17th to 27th Lansdowne Park. Super X. It's you. Big Brothers Big Sisters is an organization that focuses on matching young kids with positive adult role models. The little brothers and little sisters in our programs are between the ages of 6 and 18. Our adult volunteers are over 18 and have been thoroughly screened. Through our programs, we strive to give little brothers and little sisters the chance to build a positive relationship with their big brother or big sister. Together, they're able to share similar interests and engage in fun activities. If you're interested in a role model for your child or you're interested in becoming a volunteer, please call Big Brothers Big Sisters Ottawa at 613-247-4776, extension 315 or 309, or visit our website at www.bbbso.ca. Benvenuti. Tervetuloa. Welcome to Chin Day at the Ottawa Super X. Super X and Chin Radio Ottawa are teaming up for the first ever Chin Day at Super X. Come down to Lansdowne Park August 27th and enjoy a day packed with multicultural entertainment. See what Super X has to offer and listen to the great music provided by Calais with lead singer McKendie and Andre Ibrahim and the Stars of Lebanon Band on the Pizza Pizza stage. Gates open at 11.30 a.m. August 27th is Chin Day. Super X, it's you. We're celebrating our differences on And we're back with Chin 97.9's uh, Cross-Cultural Talk Program. This is a show that's heard each and every weekday from noon to one with various guests. Tomorrow, I might mention uh, a special interview that was recorded here last week. Uh, the interviewer was uh, Giovanni, who's, uh, who's a well-known uh, man about town in Ottawa. He's a publicist, a hairdresser. He's photographer. a photographer. Anyway, he... Uh, he and Max Keeping spent some time in our uh, studio last week. Uh, Max has a big event coming up next week on Bank Street in the Glebe, oh. and it's a it's a street dance for all cancer survivors. Wow! And as you uh, may have heard, uh, Max has has survived his prostate cancer, and after a year and a half with uh, living with a catheter, it, it finally was removed. And he said, "When that comes out, we're going to be dancing on the street." And uh, that's amazing. They're going to have live entertainment, and it's it's happening. Uh, next Saturday, the 19th, 
from 5 until 9 or 11. It's going to be a wonderful event. They're, they've got Bank Street. They will have Bank Street closed from, I think, Glebe to Fifth Avenue. So that's one of the places to be next Saturday. Well, that's great. And it's, the Max Keeping is the one that said once I heard him say that Ottawa is the biggest giver per capita of uh, fundraising and charities. It uh, is. It is. It uh, truly amazing. is. Amazing. I remember being on Bank Street a few years ago. It was the first gate parade uh, and I didn't know and I had a pink shirt on and I got a lot of funny reaction to it but uh, I know and that's coming up gay pride week is coming up as well too so <laughs> oh, I mean there's a whole, whole bunch of stuff amazing. happening there's all a lot of festivals amazing. in this town and our guests are amazing we have Esther Van Gennep in our studio we got Don De Genova on the uh, air and you know we have a lot of dedicated listeners and every now and then like last week Gary we were at the event at City Hall and I just called you to get the name spelled right uh, um you know, because uh, you said Tannis is easy to say. Tanus, uh, talked about Danny Thomas. We were in Toledo, Ohio with Yumna's cousin, uh, Ida, and her beautiful family for the convention um, in Windsor for the weekend. And I think it's the family name is Gridi. Um, he said he listens to the show every week. He was telling us that uh, yeah. last week, and it's really nice to see. So, Don, we have a lot of listeners out there, and uh, maybe I'll leave it back up to you and uh, Esther again to talk as you wish about the program, its background, its history, and some specifics so listeners can get a handle on the program. So I'll start with you, Don, and you can, uh, and Esther can uh, go back and forth on this segment. No problem. Um, now, uh, Ernie, uh, you just pulled me in by the reins if I get carried away here, right? Because I'm very passionate about this subject, and uh, I can go on and on about it. You just go on and on, Don. Uh, That's why we're here. It's all right. <laughs> we'll treat it like a, a, a rushing water, and you're like... Instead of flooding us, you're going to be a, like a hydroelectric jam because it's going to be very um, structured. You're going to give us a lot of uh, electrifying energy, energy. energy. No problem. Good point. Okay. Well, as I mentioned, we got the project started in uh, January 2005. And the first thing that we did is we wanted to find out what was going on out there in the various communities looking at building a community-based conflict resolution model for the whole community. And in our research, we found that very little was being done in... Um, Canada at the whole community level. There's stuff being done at the neighborhood level, but here we're talking everyone. Uh, there's a, there's a, some things going on internationally. Uh, there were things going on in India, uh, in um, Bosnia Herzegovina, different places like that. But in Canada, there was very little. So we really felt that we were going to be breaking some ground here and that there were going to be a lot of eyes watching us. So after we did our research, we thought, well, before we do anything else, we got to let people in this community know what we're doing. So we launched, uh, I would say, probably uh, an incredible um, awareness campaign. And part of that awareness campaign was uh, rather than just myself running the project, we freed up some money for me to hire an Aboriginal person to work with us. And that is my colleague, Wave of Fox, who's been absolutely uh, instrumental to the success of this whole initiative. Her and I have worked really, really close. I've never worked with Aboriginal people before. I really didn't understand much of the issues and challenges that they were facing. And therefore, I thought it was important to bring an Aboriginal person in to the beginning of the project. So Wave and I started this awareness campaign, and uh, we worked with the churches, and we had the churches put in all of the, uh, their bulletins right up on the project, and we had support from Sacred Heart Catholic Church and St. Andrew's United and St. Mary's Anglican and Calvary Baptist. Uh, the grocery store, Johnny's grocery store here in town, he put uh, inserts into all of the grocery bags when people were doing their shopping, talking about what we were going to be doing here, the essence of this project. Uh, we had great support from the Sioux Bulletin and Wawate uh, ra um, uh, newspapers and Wawate radio and local radio. So we were really, we blitzed this town. 
So everybody would talk and say, what is this Resolve thing? We wanted to get people talking about it. After we did that, we had to go out and, we, we, and meet with the public to find out what they were experiencing and feeling in this community in regards to racism and discrimination. Uh, so we had a series of public consultation meetings. Um, also at that time, we wanted to talk a little bit more detail about what is a community-based conflict resolution model, what would, what would it take to have them embrace this kind of concept, as well as the types of racism and discrimination that they have been facing. And as part of that, we, we reached about 210 citizens in Sioux Lookout uh, that participated in that process. Uh, we met with uh, various groups such as the Chamber of Commerce and the Rotary Club and the Interfaith Pastoral Care Committee. Uh, we also met with the police and we met with the teachers at Queen Elizabeth High School. Uh, we, we, we met with a group of youth during a youth conference that was taking place here in Sioux Lookout. We wanted to tap everybody because the principles and the basis basics of a, a community-based conflict resolution model is that it has to have representation of everyone within the community. So that had to be youth, that had to be Aboriginal, non-Aboriginal, males, females. Uh, we even had a great, dynamic, interactive session with the seniors at the senior center in this town. Um, and what was very, very compelling for me, too, was how our town council and mayor, Kathy Kapek and Jay Curtis, for example, on the town council and other town council members came out and rallied supporting this initiative. So it was something everybody started to buy into. So we did our consultations. We really asked people to speak from the heart because, again, in order to address what this community is facing, we had to hear the stuff that people probably don't like to say that often. Some of it was extremely hard-hitting. And so often my colleague Wave and I, we'd have to do some debriefing uh, with one another because it, it really would hit you in the gut to hear how some people think. And, and they think this because that's, that, that's their reality. And... Um, so, and then the other thing is we had to make sure that we, we really abided by one of the uh, Canadian Institute of Conflict Resolution principles, which is uh, you manage the process and don't get involved in the content. And we really wanted to focus on managing that process because you don't, we all have our own values and judgments that can come to the surface, and we want to make sure that we could keep them inside so that we didn't discourage people from actively sharing information with us because we really wanted to get it done. So after we did all of that, we, we tabulated all this and presented it in a report, and the report was about over 130 pages, and we, we circulated it widely. We even circulated it well without, outside of our community to all of the various chiefs and, and Aboriginal organizations and other interest groups, and there was an awful lot of response. We were interviewed twice by CBC um, about this project. Our local CBLS radio station uh, had us on four times. Talking, they devoted one whole program just like this to resolve and conflict resolution for an hour. Uh, we were uh, there was CKDR and Wawate News. Um, the other thing that we did is we also created a summary report for those who just wanted the the nuggets of everything rather than all of the detailed dialogue. And that report was translated into OG Cree for us by Natawan uh, Housing uh, Development Services, and then they. Uh, we, we, we succeeded in having Wawate, the Aboriginal newspaper, republish our whole summary report as a series of five articles in English and in Ochikri so that we could reach all of the Aboriginal people in the northern communities uh, here in Ontario. That's over 20,000. And then our local Sioux Bulletin um, uh, newspaper under um, Dick McKenzie, he, repub he published the English version of it so that we reached everybody in Sioux Lookout. 
So everybody is talking, thinking, and breathing this and beginning to wonder, okay, when are you going to bring this training into town? And so um, in August, as I mentioned, I met with CICR and, and Esther and Brian, and we talked about them participating, and they said, we want to make it, make it happen, and we're going to be there with you, and let's start this as soon as possible. And then in November of 2005, we launched an incredible... Uh, I'm going to let Esther take it over here because I want her to share with you what she felt. Uh, four different types of activities during that November period, um, and um, which was overwhelmingly embraced by this community. Esther, do you want to just touch upon those? Okay, and I'm getting a signal from Ernie here. I just well. wanted to free, not forget something. You've inspired me to think of something, Don. Here's an sure. idea to build on. Is uh, CICR in 1990 went into Aquasasne, and they set up a Skenago mediation project. And Esther, you have the report, and it yes. was it was like a deja vu reading this. They did a community-wide event. It'd be nice one day to bring... Uh, Tax dollars well spent. Thank you, Heritage Canada. Please continue the funding with everyone else. But bring a conference together of communities that have done this. You've got Sioux Lookout at Aquasasti, and there's other places in the world. That would be a great conference, and Canada should take a leadership role. And wanted to tell us, Esther, then what's happening in Sioux Lookout, which reflects the whole picture. Yes, and it does certainly tie into Scanagoa in so many ways. Scanagoa was a initiative that evolved out of a community dialogue and a evolved out of uh, working with community members and leaders from the Mohawk uh, Nation. Um, Sue Lookout with the Resolve Project, what we've been doing is we've been focusing on a skill-based experiential training. So it's really an opportunity to uh, share and transfer, and as as Don was saying, raise awareness of the tools and techniques to help assist us in resolving some of the conflicts. Some of the key principles that we're looking at that Don highlighted in the program were around making sure that it's an inclusive process, creating a safe place for all people to have a voice to share some of their uh, deeper rooted concerns. And in order and in order for us to be effective, we need to respond directly to the needs, hopes, and expectations of the community members. And so the team that's been working up there has done some um, phenomenal work. And as Don was saying, it really speaks to the partnerships within Sioux Lookout, as well as um, the, the buy-in and the personal commitment that we're getting from so many community members. There's a lot of uh, sharing and caring taking place up there. With regards to the four activities that Don was referring to, um, one of them was the five-day training program, the third-party neutral training, which is uh, genuinely an opportunity to um, transfer some skills, processes, tools and techniques in resolving conflicts, whether it be in our personal lives within our workplace or at a broader community, which is the case within Sioux Lookout and how we're addressing it there. Don also set up a one-day session on restorative justice and um, creating a partnership with the police, the OPP in Sioux Lookout, to establish a restorative justice program for the youth. I suspect that this is going to be tied into some of the circle talking uh, and sentencing circles that are taking place. We also had a really phenomenal day where we looked at some of the uh, historical atrocities that have taken place and exploring the legacy-based conflicts that are tied into yes. the residential schools. And we see this, uh, the ripple effect of the, um, the, the residential schools within so many different communities. Certainly some communities it's been a very positive experience, but you can uh, read and see in the newspapers um, that it also ha- certainly had uh, the other side of the coin there too. Ernie, I wanted to come back to um, one of your first uh, programs, which was all about trust, 
all about trust. Mm. And I think that that's a piece that has been absolutely fundamental in Sue Lookout. Don has, um, through his passion and compassionate spirit, created an arena of trust within the community. People are able to start talking about some of the concerns that they have. They're exploring different processes. We had so much excitement coming out of the third-party neutral training, where um, when I returned to the community several months later, people were starting to share their personal examples and stories of how they were already starting to use the tools and techniques in the communities. Don, maybe you can speak of um, the project that Neil ran a little bit with the Wichimagami. I know we didn't talk about this earlier, but for me, it really crystallized how someone felt so empowered at the end of a five-day session to be able to um, bring some of the community members within his center, which was uh, predominantly um, homeless community members, who are now cleaning up the garbage in the streets of Sioux Lookout to certainly make it a beautiful place. Um, that, uh, that is a good point there, Esther. Um, homeless, uh, homeless is a, homelessness is an issue here in Sioux Lookout, and uh, it's a very sensitive and, and topical issue, but people are very nervous about addressing it because sometimes... Um, when people focus on it, it can be perceived as racism, and nobody wants to be called a racist. And then other times people look at it as a social uh, a social issue, and then people say, well, no, it's an Aboriginal issue, and we should be focusing on helping the, those, who, uh, those Aboriginal people who are homeless. So it's a very, very difficult issue, and it's sometimes something that I think a lot of times we like to push into the background, even though it's, it's facing us daily here in the community. But one of the things that Neil did, uh, and I think he's done this on a number of occasions, is that... To, to raise awareness of homeless, homelessness in this issue and that homeless people are not bad people but do want to contribute back to society in some way has, um, has, has, has got, brought the, the, the homeless people together and worked with them on helping them clean up the garbage every spring in this community um, that's left over after the winter. And, uh, you know, and it, it's a wonderful initiative. Um, it, it brings awareness to, 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 to the homeless issue. And it also helps us recognize that we are all good people at heart and that some of us carry different burdens, conflicts, and uh, pain, and we respond to them in different ways. And I think what's important is that we, we begin to look at the homeless issue here in this town and begin to help those people <coughs> the best that we can. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is coming out in this conflict resolution as well when we did our... Um, our public uh, consultation, the homeless issue was a major issue which was aired by people. It's something that everybody's talking about. On both sides of the fence, there were those that are entirely uh, uh, in support of helping and there are those that would like to see the problem disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don, we got about a minute left and I just wanted to uh, plant a seed for our third segment. Is <clears throat> As we're talking, Esther mentioned deep-rooted legacy. And when you look at the history of uh, in North America, mm-hmm. the genocides and <clears throat> attacks in the native territories, which is not well known. And you look at uh, all different culture society, uh, the Jews have their story and their, their uh, all the atrocities, and then what's happening in the Arab world and what's happening in, in the native community, and so many other people in different cultures have their stories. That deep-rooted stuff that comes out, everything else is a symptom. So when we get into the third segment, I'd like to uh, pick up on, the, on those uh, general themes. Um, and also I see one of your training is dealing with difficult people, which always makes me wonder because it's the same training and you wonder is everyone else the difficult person i don't know but i just want to use my uh, conflict resolution skills to reframe that it's not dealing with difficult people it's dealing with difficult or inappropriate behaviors well that's wonderful it is not the people that are difficult it may be their inappropriate behaviors which at one point could have been tools for survival 
There's another tip, eh? And, 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 and we're going to get in difficulty here if we don't go for a break. So, Don, stay with us. We're going to have uh, a good wrap-up in the third session for uh, a 97.9 FM. And, Don, just before, uh, when we do come back, if I may, uh, something for you to, to, to think about. I, I'm, I'm curious as to how you were received initially when you got there at Sioux Lookout. Oh, wow. So think about that, and I'd, I'd love to find out how, how people uh, accepted you right at the get-go. We'll be back in a bit on Chin 97.9. Hey, Roberto, what's going on, man? What you been up to? Noah, I've been all over the world. First, I arrived in Asia. Then I lived it up in Lebanon. Cuba was cool. Then I kicked back in the Caribbean. How did you pay for all this? I didn't. I just turned on Chin Radio 97.9. They bring me everywhere I want to go and so much more. Yeah. Super X Concerts. For the cost of a $10 admission, you'll get a feast of music. Headley, Michelle Wright, Masadi, April Wine, Kim Mitchell, Adam Gregory, Abamania, and the Nylons. Plus, a special Lebanese and Caribbean Music Day presented by Chin Radio. The OLG slots at Rito Carlton Raceway Super Stage Concerts presented by CTV and the Ottawa Citizen. Check OttawaSuperX.com for times and days. August 17th to the 27th at Lansdowne Park. Super X, it's you. They told me that I was lazy, that I'd never amount to anything. Everything was confusing and frustrating. Then I found out I had a learning disability, that there are solutions and people who can help. The Learning Disabilities Association of Canada is dedicated to helping people with learning disabilities achieve their true potential in school, in the workplace, and in society. Visit our website at ldac.ca. This message from the Learning Disabilities Association of Canada and this station. It's what you've been waiting for! Feel the heat of the Caribbean with Carib Expo 2006. Be part of the fabulous music, the colorful costumes, and outstanding entertainment. Calypso, hand competition, dancing, and more like the spectacular street parade. Carib Expo, it runs from August 11th to the 20th. For ticket information, contact Magic Reproductions at 729-3558. Carib Expo, don't miss a day of the festivities. Or visit the website, www.caribexpo.com. At Rogers.com. Espanol, Punjabi, Tagalog, Lebanese, Italiano. We speak your language on Ottawa's multicultural voice, Chin Radio 97.9 FM. And it's 12.43 on this uh, 10th day of August, 2006. And we're back with Ernie and Esther and Don on Chin Radio's cross-cultural talk program. Yes, yeah, so here we are with Don DiGenova up in Sioux Lookout Live and Esther Van Gennep in the studio here and it's our third and final segment and the show's been just terrific so far. I've really enjoyed it. I'm sure it's our listeners finding it very educational and, and inspiring. I'm wondering as we get into the deep-rooted large questions about uh, these projects, uh, again, uh, always promoting these are universal themes. They apply everywhere on these principles. I'm wondering if I could start with you, Esther, about... Um, this like a deep-rooted stuff, identity issues, and then Don, if you can pick up, and because I like the two of you to discuss about the uh, vision for the future. Um, if you want to add a little bit more to this specific project, please do so. But visions for the future and how we can collectively work towards conflict-resolving societies as a public policy, especially in Canada. Mm -hmm. Esther, 
Okay, yes, just to bring us back to that uh, legacy-based, deep-rooted conflict resolution, which is focusing on the human identity needs. Often when I provide workshops and even doing interventions, I come with an image of the iceberg, and I talk about how we can settle disputes at the tip of the iceberg, but unless we start going underneath the surface and explore what's driving and motivating this conflict in terms of the underlying interests of the parties involved, it makes it very challenging for us to come to a common ground. Now, Uh, Where we see a lot of the uh, major conflicts and challenges taking place internationally at the moment, and even with the quote that you just read this um, earlier this uh, hour, Ernie, for Caledonia, it really speaks to the heart of human identity needs and legacy-based conflict resolution. Now, when it comes to those human identity needs, we have some universal needs and principles that regardless of what culture or community we come from, we all have a need for recognition, a need for meaning, the ability to take action, to have a sense of belonging and a need for security in our communities. And it's when those needs aren't being met that um, the, the hairs on the back of our necks go up and we can move into a flight, fight or flight zone. So the work that uh, Don is uh, involved in in Sioux Lookout and the the work of the Canadian Institute for Conflict Resolution is truly to explore the uh, deep-rooted conflicts. And I think that's one of the things that makes us so unique in the program, looking at what are the satisfiers to our needs in order to be able to truly reconcile the conflict, which means creating the space to explore a little deeper, seek first to understand before being understood, making sure that there is an arena of dignity and respect where people can feel that they can be heard. Um, Ernie, one of the things that you've taught me so well in the work that we do is also by the end of each session to ask what does it mean to have yes at the table but no in behavior to keep them focused on appropriate uh, tools for resolving disputes. Now one of the tools, um, and I want to build on something you said because Don, I'd like you to um, uh, deal with uh, Gary's question and Esther come back to it is... um, the tool of reconciliation, working with people, how were you accepted in the community? I certainly uh, had that experience in Aquasaste after their unsolved murders there, so I can relate to that. But I'd like you to d- talk to about that. And also, one of your resources you list in your program is the South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Process, which once again, you know, reminds me that these are universal truths. And I'm wondering, Don, if you can uh, maybe deal with uh, Gary's question, which is really an important one in terms of how you originally received and um, maybe build on your vision for the future and some of the things that Esther was saying. Uh, Sure, Ernie. Um, Just to continue with what Esther was saying there about the human identity needs, Ernie, at the beginning of the program, you read a little phrase which was talking about what we're aiming to do here in Sioux Lookout. And I'm just going to refer back to that. And that was um, providing a safe and secure community where all peoples can live, converse, work, and travel without fear of discrimination or racism in a community that embraces diversity by celebrating our differences, respecting our traditions, and nurtures our commitment to each other. And that phrase captures all of those five basic human identity needs. And that's what's been a driving force here uh, for us in Sioux Lookout. Um, uh, Gary, just to get back to you, how was I initially received in the community? Um, Mm -hmm. Sioux Lookout is really quite an amazing community. uh, as, as we mentioned, there's uh, 50% Aboriginal and Aboriginal people in the community, and um, it provides a lot of ser- it's a service hub for the north, northern communities. And so there's a, there's a wide variety of people here. Like, you know, there's two hospitals, for example. Um, there's, uh, you know, uh, two high schools, uh, two public schools. It's, you know, it's, they're, they're, it's, it's a community filled with a lot of people who are caring and concerned and, 
and really believe in their hearts that they really want to make a difference. And um, so when I came here, I, I felt very welcomed by uh, Sioux Lookout. I felt very welcomed by all citizens, uh, Aboriginal, non-Aboriginal alike. When we started the project, though, I think there might have been a little certain degree of skepticism mm-hmm. um, because people thought, oh, gosh, you know, what, do we really want to, this to surface? Do we really want to start talking about this? Because whenever it does, it can blow up. So that was a concern. Another uh, concern was is, you know, people have come in here with the best intentions, and we thank you, Don, for, you know, really think, wanting to help us out. But we often become disillusioned because what happens is at the end of the day, we've built up all this momentum, and then either you or the project or some, no funding continues to continue with the project in the community. And that is, has been a very big concern. And then in regards to Aboriginal people, um, and I, I, having worked with them now and, and, and knowing Aboriginal culture and traditions uh, and, and the legacy of uh, colonialism in the residential school system, I really can appreciate their hesitation because we as white people, the dominant society, have always intended to do what we consider to be the best things. And often what happens is it's our solutions to their problems rather than looking at them for their solutions to their own problems, as well as, okay, you build up all our hopes and expectations. Uh, we will we will support you on a particular initiative, and then you leave us hanging high and dry. And so they were difficult things for us to overcome in the beginning of this project. I think we have made significant inroads in that, and I'm, I'm very pleased to say that um, in October of this year, we are taking resolve for, to uh, our first First Nations community, which is Lac Sewell. Mm-hmm. And that is very exciting for us because we have been invited by a participant that part, uh, took, uh, took our resolve training in March of, uh, of uh, 2006. We, we did our second training in March, round of training. And that individual uh, was interesting because when they came, they, uh, they, they, they sat and we, did, we always do our morning go-arounds and stuff. And this individual said, I'm not sure if I'm going to come back tomorrow. I wanted to see what this was all about today. Uh, I'm not comfortable with that touchy-feeling type thing. Um, but um, I'm prepared to, to listen. Um, and then the next day rolled around, and that individual came back. And, and then uh, as the, the five days progressed, because it's a five-day training program, that individual at the very end uh, when we were going around says, you know, he says, uh, I said I wasn't one of those touchy-feely guys, uh, but he says, you know, I want you to know I'm ready for that group hug now. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, it was, it was a, a, a moment for everyone. It was just absolutely so moving. And that individual um, is the next chief in um, Lac Sewell and came back to us and said, I would like you to bring that training to my community. And they have set it up. Uh, Mukwa Lodge is a, a, an Aboriginal um, uh, fishing resort, is going to host the event. They're paying for almost the whole thing. And we are bringing uh, the three communities, people from the three communities in Lac Sewell together to, to begin this process in Lac Sewell, which is, you know, I, I couldn't ask for more. Um, again, uh, we are in September uh, launching our, our next round of resolve training again for uh, citizens here in Lac uh, in uh, Sioux Lookout. And I'm currently working with uh, Esther and Brian Strom at the Canadian Institute for Conflict Resolution on Resolve 2, if you will, which will be available to those who have graduates of the first round of resolve training so that they can become uh, basic 
trainers and facilitators within the community to start spreading the word so we can get more people talking about it and, and, and providing some teachings and guidance. So that's, that's what's happening, and that's where, where we're going with it. Um, I have to admit, my biggest fear is, is continuing with the program in regards to funding. Funding is a major, major, major concern. We are a small organization, and when you reply to these government grants, they ask for a phenomenal amount of effort and, and, um, and material uh, when you submit your application. We did one uh, uh, proposal, um, and it was 100 pages long. We were looking at funding to sustain this program, as well as taking resolve to other First Nations community in northern uh, Ontario, as well as really implementing a, a, a program geared to youth, because in February of last year we brought UCAN, and Ernie, I think you know UCAN, eh? Yes, I had the pleasure of helping Dave Farthing UCAN get off the ground in the 80s. That's right. In fact, Ernie is the uh, godfather of ADR, who has been okay, involved not only enough. with UCAN, but also the Canadian Institute for Conflict that's Resolution. Fine, that's fine. That's and they fine. have another <laughs> Walk for Peace Thank coming up soon. They that's do. right. They you do. candidates do. They have a Walk for Peace coming up, and <laughs> everybody support that. Thank you, Esther. Yeah. And th- well, we brought UCAN here to Sioux Lookout in February of uh, this year, and we had 34 students go through that, and it was, it was absolutely incredible. So our, our, our funding was looking at bringing UCAN back, resolve to Northern com- uh, First Nations communities, bringing the whole uh, CICR program here to town, and setting up that youth restorative justice program that Esther was referring to. And, and when you do that, they also ask for contributions in kind from the community. We had this community commit in letters $450,000 worth of uh, in donations and services to make that proposal happen here. That's wow. how much this community believes in this project. Wow. 450000 And what's the status of that proposal? We were turned down. Do you know why? We were turned down because, because and this is, again, what I have great difficulty with. They're saying is we can only fund programs that are completely and newly developed. You, uh, what you want to do... Uh, with resolve is take it's it's not developing it again it's taking it into new areas and we cannot fund that kind of thing my argument back to the organization was i as a single individual with my colleague managing this project in the community cannot spend time and effort on developing something completely new if i should find something that is out there that is working absolutely wonderfully and work with the organization to tweak it to meet the needs of this particular community or other communities that we want to reach to, such as the Aboriginal community, why should I reinvent the wheel? Why shouldn't I be able to capitalize on the investments they have already made? Um, it, was, it was very, very difficult. I, it, eventually, they, they agreed with my, my understanding and interpretation, but according to the guidelines of almost all of these uh, uh, government programs is you have to create something completely new. So it basically excludes communities like ours because we don't, we're, as an organization, SLARC, the Sulu Anti Racism Committee, is about five people, each with their own various programs uh, youth empowerment, Piscapo and Aboriginal Cultural Awareness, uh, the Sulu Youth Council, all of these things are, take people totally committed to making them work that they don't have time to reinvent or to 
respond to these lengthy proposals. Well, Don, in terms of um, 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 replicating things, that's what they were going to do in Skenegal too. It makes a lot of sense, and it's a systemic issue. Maybe it, it's uh, time to have a meeting with the funders about finding ways to allocate. Now, Esther, uh, we have about two or three minutes left uh, do you want to, um, you know, speak to that? Because I want to tell quickly, in Akwesasne with Skenegoa, the uh, this is Mohawk for Great Peace, um, I remember at the end uh, with all the police officers from New York State, SQ, uh, RCMP, OPP, there was uh, federal uh, intelligence agencies. One of the bureaucrats determined that if they just took one cruiser off the reserve out of all the police, one cruiser, which is 24 hours a day manned by two policemen, just one out of hundreds of millions of dollars, it would pay for the whole mediation center, and they said they couldn't do it. But um, I think that's where we have to do some rethinking. I think some positive light can be put on this in terms of encouraging funders to carry on and building on what you and Don are doing. Esther, do you want to add something? We've got about a minute or two. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most positive things that comes out of this is the personal commitment that uh, stems from the communities and as I had mentioned earlier just sort of the momentum that's been created there it really is a genuine strong desire within Sioux Lookout to uh, meet Don's uh, vision and mission of making it a harmonious uh, community. We've only got a couple of seconds left but I just want to come back to your first theme of trust, building trust and planting seeds of hope. And regardless of how challenging it is when it comes to uh, meeting the needs and the demands of the funding agencies, I need to trust that the community spirit, the collaborative spirit that's been created is going to filter out and uh, the hope that we have been planting seeds within the communities that are going to be nurtured uh, by the community members and sustained through additional uh, resources, not just the funding resources, but uh, human resources and power as well. It's all about the caring and the sharing. And I hope that Don's passion and momentum continues to have a ripple effect out to uh, the broader communities at large. Well, you've picked up on a few words, Esther, remind me of the word empowerment, which is what you're talking about, Don, and then Pandora's box, which is the Greek myth of all the evils and dangers in the world. But the last thing in the box people forget about was hope, the great antibiotic. And use the word ripple. And I like a phrase that came to me years ago, that each ripple can become a wave that washes away unresolved conflict from the shores of injustice. And you, Don... The Giovanno and Esther Van Gennep are two such ripples. <laughs> and Don and Esther, if I may uh, quote uh, 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 a, a bit of a, a piece of advice that was offered to me many, many years ago, don't let the bastards wear you down. <laughs> <laughs> Don, thank you very much. You, wanna, you got the 50. You want to say one final thought? John, you got a few seconds. Sure. Uh, one thing is if people would like further information on our project, they can go to our website. What is it? www.slarc.ca. S-L-A-R-C.ca. Well, All of our reports are there and everything. Fantastic. Don, thank you. Esther, thank you. Uh, Ernie, I thank you. And next week you will be in the uh, in the hot seat by yourself as I get to enjoy uh, some time with my granddaughter and my uh, my daughter and Wonderful. my son-in-law and my well, wife. Good. Well, have a good trip. And now the word Sue has a new meaning for me. Sue Lookout. There Doesn't you mean you're going to sue somebody. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all. Have a good day. Good you to see Chin Radio 97.9.
Ottawa and Gatineau's multicultural radio voice is Chin Radio, CJLL. Chin, 